but in any event, uh, we're going to get started. I'm going to share the live feed, though, as soon as it comes available. So give me just a minute to share the live feed. If anybody, anybody one else wants to share it, now is the time to do it. And if it takes too long, I'll have to come back to it. Looks like it's not up yet, Andre. No, I know. I'm still... Okay, well, let's go ahead and get started and I'll share it. Well, I will pause in a few minutes and I'll share it. Okay, let's see. All right, uh, let's pray. Um, dear, kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for keeping us through another week. We thank you for another Sabbath, bringing us to another Sabbath, your day of rest. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just uh, commune with you today and to study today that we might learn more, Lord, uh, about uh, the health reform and health uh, principles, Lord. And so we just ask that you send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to open up our understanding and lead us into all truth. And uh, we are just so thankful for this opportunity and this information, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, so did anybody else remember anything from an earlier chapter out of this chapter? Oh, no. You did? <coughs> okay. All right. Well, let's, let's just go ahead and get started then with the uh, first paragraph. So she was given a vision in December of 1865. And she said that she saw the health reform was a great enterprise closely connected with present truth. And that seven-day Adventists should have a home for the sick where they can be treated for their diseases and also learn how to take care of themselves so as to prevent sickness. So um, this wasn't just something that she just thought of herself. She was actually given a vision from the Lord about it. And Sister Karen, yes. I, was, I was on mute when you asked that question. I kind of uh, reviewed uh, chapter 85 too on the health reform, and I put my notes somewhere. But that's what, when you were talking about chapter 99 on the Health Institute, mm -hmm. I remember some of the stuff she talked about in chapter 85 on the health reform. Okay, okay, very good. It just, some, some of it just sounded very familiar to me. Um, I didn't do like you did and go back and compare it with the other chapter, but uh, some of it seemed like it was word for word from an earlier chapter that we studied. Um, and so... She said that, that as Adventists, we should not remain indifferent on this subject and leave the rich folk among us to go do the, to go to the popular water care institutions of the country for recovery of their health. And she, the reason, why, why did, what does she say is the reason for that, anybody? Because they'll be insensitive to how uh, Sabbath keepers on what we think and what we do as far as religious wise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so their only goal is to um, basically heal sickness. But our bodies need a holistic approach. We need healing. We need spiritual healing and physical healing. Because if we don't have spiritual healing, we're going to turn right back around because of our habits and our appetites and do the same thing and be right back in the same boat again. Mm hmm. You know, so, it's a lot well, of, you know, a lot of, 
there's a lot of so-called health resorts or health places that people go. They're just really um, vacation resorts. They're not really helping your health. They're not really, they don't have the knowledge to assist you with your illness. They just kind of help you to feel good. And she's also pointing out the, um, uh, I guess, the ironic attitude of a lot of Sabbath keepers going to other folks' health sem seminaries as opposed to our own Seventh-day Adventist seminaries, which, you know, as you was mentioning, have the spiritual aspect along with it and are following God's health, health ways. Instead, they go to these fancy ones where the people are just basically doing whatever they want to do under the guise of being helpful. Mm. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? You know, you know, Sister Karen, my daughter, Delana, works at the elderly home, and they had a, a lady that was a seven-day Adventist. They brought her in, and mm -hmm. she said the, the nurses were uh, some of the, I guess, the nurses that's supposed to take care of her. She said she had to tell them, quit trying to make her eat stuff until you check to see, you know, what her menu is. And said those girls were getting mad. Was like, oh, she don't eat this. And she said, so she went. She said, I went to to the main people and told them, look, she's a seven day Adventist. All they got to do is look and see what she doesn't eat. So she said they got that together in twenty four hours. They wasn't forcing her to eat nothing that she wasn't, you know, that was that was mm -hmm. against what she believed. But she said they was getting so irritated at the at the lady. And I'm like, with the money they paid to come there. And she was like, those girls was like, how you know all this, Miss D? She said, I let them know. You know I'm a seven-day Adventist, and I know what she's not supposed to have on that tray. So my daughter said she used to come in, you know, for like 30 minutes early. She said, especially during dinner time, she said to make sure that they wouldn't put nothing on that tray. I told her that wasn't nothing but the Holy Spirit getting you there to make sure that that lady was taken care of. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, um, I had a hospitalization back in what was that june and so one of the things they asked me when that the when the um the people that bring your food she came in and um she asked was there anything that they needed to be aware of well you know i was sick i wasn't even thinking right and andre stepped up and he said uh yeah uh you don't eat no pork, you don't eat no shellfish, you know, and so he just kind of went down the list and she said, oh, okay, okay, we'll, we'll make sure we, we um, you know, take that off of your diet. So uh, he stepped in there because I just really wasn't thinking straight at that point, but uh, it sounds kind of like what you were saying, Patsy, someone was there to assist her and to help her and make sure that, you know, she had the the, uh, you know, the proper diet, a biblical diet or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so let's see. Uh, and so she says basically that we need these institutions that are run by conscientious Sabbath keepers uh, because she said we cannot receive as much benefit um, if we go to like a worldly institution. And she said that if we go to one of these worldly institutions, we, we will um, must be constantly guarded lest we compromise our faith and dishonor our profession. And she says that um, those who are reduced by disease suffer not only from one of physical, but also mental and moral strength. So, you know, when you're sick, you need a whole plethora of, of, of things to help you get better and to heal and not simply just 
um, you know, a diagnosis plus the medication. Any comments on that or on this, that first paragraph? I agree, I agree with that too, um, Karen, because getting sick isn't a one-tier thing. For example, when people get sick and they'll say, well, we're going to change our diets, you know, but then they may find that they still get sick. You have to change everything, nutrition, your exercise, your water intake, even if you drink a lot, it may need to increase it. You have to deal with that sunshine. Um, you have to be temperate in everything. Make sure you get in the air. And then that rest. The rest is something that people think, okay, let's just sleep it at night. But that's your brain. Your brain can't keep working. You got to change the way you think. You have to change the way you, you know, view things and, to, and start being more positive. And then trust in God. That's where mindfulness, instead of traveling all up into the future about what's going to happen with the kids or whatever, and going back in the past on things that you wish you had done, all of those things contribute to illness. And if you don't change every last one of them, you'll find ourselves going back towards being ill. It may take you longer if you change one thing, but you won't, you'll be very safe if you change everything. You have to mm. change what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's why also, I was Karen, oh, go ahead. Also go ahead. comparing uh, uh, chapter 85 and uh, 486.3, where she says they should ever have the appetite subjective to the moral and intellectual organs. The body should be served to the mind and not the mind to the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we find that hard sometimes because, you know, <laughs> the first sin was over appetite. And we still have many things to conquer, but appetite is still one of them. You know, and uh, what we choose and uh, we um, we watch um, on 3ABN Dare to Dream. We watch uh, Andre. What's the name of that show? With the blue man. Uh, uh, sickness to health. Okay. And uh, one of the things that, that health was saying, because one man plays health and one man plays sickness. And one of the things that health was saying was that um, our, our health is determined almost completely by what we eat. Now, of course, we know there may be environmental factors or hereditary factors uh and stuff like that but to to a large extent it's determined by what we eat so um it would behoove us <laughs> like uh you were saying that we change not just one thing but but uh as we're trying to get well from sickness or prevent sickness even that we put in place those principles of new start and who, who can tell me what a new start is? My temperance leader should be able to tell me that. Anybody? I know somebody knows at least one of them. Rest? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nutrition, let's see, nutrition, exercise, 
water, sunshine. Um, is tea, is the tea temperance, Andre? You remember? Air, rest, and I forgot what the last T was. One of them is, one of the T's is temperance and I don't remember what the other T was. Uh, but in any event, um, if we practice those things regularly, we would be much healthier and wouldn't suffer some of the things that we suffer and, and, and the world itself. A lot of people suffer because they don't practice that. Um, then she says down in the next paragraph that uh, when per people who have suffered from a lot of disease are relieved by an intelligent system of treatment consisting of baths, healthful diet, proper periods of rest and exercise, which is kind of new start, what we just talked about, and the beneficial effects of pure air, they are often led to conclude that those who, who are successfully treating them are right in other matters like religious faith, or at least cannot greatly err from the truth. So she says, if our people are left to go to those institutions whose physicians are corrupt in religious faith, they're in danger of being ensnared. And then she started talking about one particular institution that was the best in the United States, but apparently it was not a Adventist institution. It was not a Christian institution per se. And she said, so far as the treatment of the sick is concerned, they've been doing a great and good work, but on the spiritual side of it, basically, they urge upon their patients dancing, card playing, and attendance at theaters and places of worldly amusement, which is in direct opposition to the teachings of Christ and the apostles. So apparently there was um, nothing that brought them in line. They weren't teaching anything that would bring them in line with the principles in the Bible for good spiritual health. And like I said, if you don't have good spiritual health, you're just going to return to the same old habits, bad habits when, you, when you're healed and when you get out. Anybody know anybody like that that was in and out of the hospital and they, they were helped as long as they were in the hospital. But once they got out, they went right back to their old bad habits. Anybody know anybody like that? You don't have to name them, but um, I've known at least, at least a couple of people like that. Go ahead. No, I've uh, actually uh, visited someone who was dying in the hospital with stage four lung cancer, couldn't speak, had, had a trachea, you know, the tube, and mm -hmm. was asking for a cigarette so they could smoke it through the tube. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of had that same experience, Paula. Uh, a friend uh, of ours, her brother, had um, a brain tumor. And he wanted me to bring him a pack of cigarettes. And I'm like, no, sir, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. But, um, yeah, people want what they want. And, and you know, uh, one of the things that, because I used to teach the class on councils on diet and foods. And one of the things that she said there is that uh, uh, the reason why God doesn't heal some people is that he knows that they're not going to, they're not going to change their lifestyle to, to um, if he healed them, they wouldn't change their lifestyle. So they would just be right back in the same boat again. All right, let's see. Um, 
And then she starts talking about the actual work in the next paragraph, paragraph 554.2, and the actual work of, of, of you know, I guess erecting and planning, planning and erecting a, a health uh, institute. And she says that, you know, extensive, a very extensive work could not be accomplished in a short time as it would not be an easy matter to find physicians who God could approve and who would work together harmoniously, disinterestedly, and zealously for the good of suffering humanity. And she says it should ever be kept prominent that the great object to be attained through this channel is not only health, but perfection and the spirit of holiness, which cannot be attained, excuse me, <coughs> with diseased bodies and minds. So her whole point here is that it's not just physical health, but it's spiritual perfection that um, is, is, is the goal also. Um, and then she says that um, God will, would raise up men who, and qualify them to engage in the work not only as physicians of the body, but of the sin sick soul. So all of this, all of this should be committed to the Lord and let the Lord determine and decide and, and choose whom he will to prosper the work, basically is what she's saying there. Any comments? Okay. All right. And then she goes into this, um, commentary on the position of a certain doctor, Dr. E. And basically he was recommending amusements um, and no physical exercise. And, and, and she was saying, well, mental amusements specifically like game play. And at that point, you know, <laughs> she didn't have the uh, benefit of knowing about all the game systems that, that we have now and, and the hours upon hours upon hours that people spend on the game and the money that they spend on these games. Some people can't wait for the new one to come out and then they're sold out. And, you know, I hear, I hear uh, the young people and, the, and the, our children's friends talking about, oh, well, I got mine because I, but I had to, as soon as, as soon as they announced it, I had to be right there and get my ticket for it because otherwise I wouldn't have got one on for these game systems. But um, she's talking about how mental exercise such as playing cards, chess, checkers, excites and wearies the brain and hinders recovery. While light and pleasant physical labor will occupy the time, improve the circulation, relieve and restore the brain and prove a decided benefit to the health. But she says that if you take away from the invalid this uh, light, pleasant physical labor, then a person who is sick uh, or an invalid um, becomes restless and they have a diseased imagination. And so they begin to think that their case or their sickness is worse than it really is. And she also said it tends to imbecility, which is just you know co complete unstableness and the mind just going where it want, where where I guess you know a diseased mind wants to take you. Well, you know, um, Sister Karen, this is just my thought. You know, when they came out with these computer games and stuff, and I'm not saying all kids, you know, 
that's all they got done. But the ma a majority of kids that was on those computer five, games five, and stuff, five, it five, seemed five. like they, they kept being, you know, our obesity rate in kids seemed to me have increased because they just sit, and that's what they do. They eat, and they sit, and they play those games, and it's like, you know, you look at them, and you're like, in our days where we was outside playing kickball and, you know, riding bicycles and stuff, and it, it's just so different. Right, right, right. <laughs> My grandson, uh, he just asked me uh, about his hoverboard, which his dad had for a little while. And um, I had also bought him a, a um, it was a convertible scooter and uh, what is that other thing called? Um, um, I forgot what the other little thing is called. Uh, but anyway, it, com it, it, it was two um, riding things in one and you could convert it. And it ended up getting damaged because uh, I let him take it to his house and his mother had it in her trunk and then somebody rear-ended her. But anyway, um, what? But anyway, um, I said, well, you never go outside anyway. So, uh, and he was asking about his, 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 his hoverboard. And so well, you don't ever go outside anyway, because he's one of those that he's glued to his phone, whether he's watching something on YouTube or, or uh, playing a game or whatever. And uh, he's so, uh, you know, they're not like us. We were outside any chance we could get to the point where your, pa <laughs> your parents beat you if you weren't home and back in the house before the streetlights came on. But that's not something that you even have to worry about with these kids. <laughs> For real. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, and then she, she was talking about this doctor again, Dr. Let's see what was his initial, Dr. E. And she said that, that it's wrong to suspend all physical labor or to regain health. Because she says, and thus doing, the will becomes dormant. The blood moves sluggishly through the system and constantly grows more impure. And so her point is basically if you're, now there, there are, and she did say in here, she said there will be times when you just have to lay or rest or whatever because of the seriousness of your illness. But basically, if you're able and if you can, get up and start moving around. You know, you may not be able to do anything strenuous at first. You may not be able to do strenuous exercise at first. But when you are able, get up, even if it's just, you know, walk to the kitchen and, and you know, do something in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah, um, a long time ago, you know, when people had babies, they could be in the hospital for like five days to 10 days or whatever. But then they started um, getting people up right away. So that's like the hospitals now get you up right away after surgery and get you started to moving immediately because of, I guess mm -hmm. they realized, you know, blood clots and all type of stuff set in. The yeah. Little, you know. Yes. And you know, what's amazing to me is that after you've had open heart surgery, they want to get you right up mm. and have you moving. Mm. And so, and that's a pretty serious surgery, you know, yeah, but still yeah. they go up and moving. Like you said, they don't want, they don't, they don't want infection setting in. They don't want blood clots setting in. And apparently they figured out that 
that moving helps. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. <clears throat> and she said also that someone who is invalid, that, that if, they, if they engage in light labor, um, then that also makes them feel not totally useless, which, you know, could be a big mental boost to them. And so um, let them do something. Mm. Said it'll give them satisfaction, courage, and vigor, which just mental amusements would never do. You know, one and being like feeling um, useless and like I'm a burden to people, that's one of the um, contributors to suicide. That's one of the reasons people commit suicide. Mm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay, uh, moving down to paragraph 555.2. Um, she says in the middle of there, those who have broken down by intense mental labor should have rest from wearying thoughts. Yet to teach them that it is wrong and even dangerous for them to exercise their mental powers to a degree leads them to view their condition as really worse than it is. So same thing for the physical. She's saying basically, if you don't do something like if you're weary from if you're sick from physical or physically sick or you're mentally sick that it is better um to physically exercise light lightly until you can manage more but it's also better to mentally exercise your brain um so that you don't feel like you don't feel hopeless basically Mm -hmm. feel like um you know woe is me there's no help for me mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and she says that those who have who have basically lost in the next paragraph those who have lost their health by physical exertion basically pull it back some so that it's light and pleasant because hard i mean you know hard physical labor that that breaks down your body and your and your and 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 you're having physical symptoms uh, affecting your health, then that's really too much for you anyway. And she said, switch it to something light and pleasant. And um, but she says to remove all physical labor of every kind would would basically prove the the ruin to that person. Um, I like this statement where it says inactivity is the greatest curse that could come upon earth. I believe that. Because, mm. you know, people get to thinking in, in their brains, just like she said at, at first, you know, that they are, you start seeing your situation worse than that. And what is the saying? Say the idle mind is a devil workshop. Uh -huh. <laughs> to break you down to depression and discouragement. And, you know, probably getting you into a place where you want to hurt other people because they hurt you. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's what um, I think it is true. I heard someone else say, someone say that uh, the, sedentary, the sedentary lifestyle is the new cigarette. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, we were watching a program about um, sugar last night and it was talking about how pretty much the sugar in 
uh, whole whole fruits, vegetables, and stuff like that is the same as the sugar in table sugar. Our bodies don't know the difference per se, mm-hmm. but if we're eating whole foods and fresh vegetables and fruits and things like that, that we can go much longer on the same food because it breaks down slower in the body. Whereas when you're eating like white sugar and stuff, you know, a lot of desserts and stuff like that, which is uh, you know, white sugar in it most, that it you, you get this sudden high and then you crash. Mm-hmm. So you have the high for, you know, for a little while, but you get a sustained even plateau of energy with, um, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And so um, from that, and, she, and, and, and he also said that um, when you're eating a lot of, you know, foods that are, that are, um, you know, sweetened with, red, you know, white sugar or whatever, mm-hmm. he said that the body, the body can only hold so much, um, sucrose which he said is in is in um you know our, our foods even you know the, the ones that we grow fresh fruits and vegetables he said the body can only hold so much sucrose and so when we um are eating it it you know as as you know white table sugar whether it's in desserts or whatever he said that at some point the level that our body can hold reaches its maximum mm-hmm. then that's when it we start piling on fat after that so that was very interesting to know that and, and basically he was saying you know that's what that white sugar does is it's it starts piling on fat because there's you know there's we eat a lot of it and we eat less of the fresh fruits and vegetables Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, okay, let's get down. Next paragraph, paragraph 556.2. Um, she says in the middle of there, the religion of, of the Bible is not detrimental to the health of the body or the mind. And she says the exalting influence of the spirit of God is the best restorative for the sick. Heaven is all health. And the more fully the heavenly influences are felt, the more sure the recovery of the believing invalid. And that, that kind of sounds a little bit like faith, doesn't it? <laughs> that that if, 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 if we are believing and because we are connected with heaven and we're believing, you know, sometimes God doesn't choose to heal us. Mm-hmm. But if we are believing, um, he may very well heal us. And here are and close to him, he may very well heal us. And um, hear our prayers for for re- restoration. So, um, you know, the closer we stick to healthy diet, if we get sick, I think that God hears those prayers, and He knows that if we, if He were to heal us, that it wouldn't be for nothing. It wouldn't be in vain. Um, okay. Uh, any comments? Okay. Let's go on down to the next paragraph. Uh, and she starts talking about in the next paragraph, 
she starts talking about unbalanced minds who go to the extremes and they impose fasting on themselves that the scriptures don't teach and prayers and deprivation of rest and sleep, which God has never required. And she says that they're not prospered and sustained in these voluntary acts of righteousness because they have a pharisaical religion, which is not of Christ, but of themselves. And they trust in their good works for salvation, vainly hoping to earn heaven by their meritorious works instead of relying as every sinner should upon the merits of a crucified, risen and exalted savior. I remember watching this television program and it was talking about, I think, um, uh, Luther, the one who nailed the 95, was it 95 uh, tenants to the church door? Um, and he, before he was converted to by the Bible and the Bible alone, he was, uh, he was a, uh, I, um, what am I trying to say? A um, priest or whatever in the Catholic church. And they had to do things like um, climb these, this, I don't know, it was 99 steps or 200 steps on their knees and, and, you know, confessing their sins on the way up and on the way down. And they had to do this, I don't know if it was every day or whatever, you know, and basically earn heaven by their works and depend on themselves and rely on themselves to gain heaven. And what, what anybody was wrong with that picture? Um, they ain't gonna make it to heaven. They relied on themselves instead of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Right. It's not in scripture. It's not biblical. Right, right, right. And plus, uh, I, w- I was watching something it's probably last week now. And this uh, man, I think he was either an Islander or an African man. And he was saying how he had done 40 days of fasting. And, you know, that's something, that's not something, anything that God requires of us. And in fact, Ellen White says that Jesus already did that for us. And so, and he already obtained the victory. So all we have to do is rely on his merits and what he already did for us. We don't need to fast for 40 days. <laughs> and you know we had a we had a friend at church and she was fasting for 40 days and she was drinking she was drinking this uh, I, I want to say it was something green it was chlorophyll or something she was drinking and we got a call one Sabbath morning that she had collapsed on her kitchen floor and died in the middle of the fast that she was on. Yes, and Paula says the scripture does say to fast and pray, but we don't need to repeat what Jesus did because he already obtained the victory for us. Just like we don't need to get up on a cross, you know, for salvation. But also, I on what Jesus did for us. I'm going to find the verse, but also in Isaiah, he says, this is the fast that I would like right. people to do. And it's like, right. I'm going to look it up so that I can be able to quote it. Right. And I think it's Isaiah 61 or something like but that. But it had nothing to do with not eating food. Mm-mm, not at all. And really helping do- widows, helping people, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it had nothing to do with not eating food. 
but more to do with with um, being a being Christ-like for and to others. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So we and never, I never hear like you know, like the church say we're going to have a fast. No one ever says we're going to have a fast and you know give ten dollars to somebody you know who needs it or mm. pay, pay a light bill for somebody because that's the fast that um you know that god says mm. mm-hmm. yeah and think about it like right now there are so many people that were affected by this flooding and don't have flood insurance you know because they weren't considered to be in a floodplain Mm-hmm. And so, so here, here, it is, here it is. It says it's, it's on um, Isaiah 58. I'm going to read the verses. Oh, yeah, before too. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of weakness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is this such a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of weakness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bringest the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the come morning and shine and thine health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. So the the fast that God wants us to do Mm -hmm. is to intentional be intentional about helping other people and serving other people and you know encouraging other people and doing for other people mm-hmm. you know that which we probably wouldn't ordinarily do which all of this is about like you said being a servant to others mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and so that's the biblical fast that's the god approved fast yeah being and- servant to others so I don't really know where we get, I guess people got because Jesus fasted for 40 days, you know, that they got that that's the fast that mm-hmm. we're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, Sister White says Jesus already did that for us. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. So and you know, I, Sister White talks about the unbalanced mind and it's fasting, fastings and stuff too, is that you know, sometimes people are already sick. You're already sick. And I, I believe with all my heart, when you're sick, you're just not thinking right. You just do not think right. And mm-hmm. you know, because there's so much going, chemicals going through your body and stuff. I'm not talking about the medicine. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about, you know, like uh, you're feeling down, you're feeling depressed. You're just not really able to think clearly when you are, are very sick. And right. most of the time, you don't Amen. Know. Amen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lakita, would you please put that... Uh, the text in the chat. I just heard you say Isaiah. Oh, yes. Okay. It's Isaiah 58. I'll put it in now. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 
Okay, y'all can continue while I write this. Okay. Uh, so 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 this paragraph, we're back at 556.3. She was talking about unbalanced people with unbalanced minds and who do more than what scripture should require. They go go to the extreme and they think mm-hmm. that you know this is something that that you know God requires when really it's really their own self-righteousness that and their good works that they they think will earn them salvation. Um and she said, instead of relying on, as everyone should, the merits of a crucified, risen, exalted Savior. And she says, Christ and true godliness are health to the body and strength to the soul. Christ and true godliness are health to the body and strength to the soul. I'm going to say that one more time. Christ and true godliness are health to the body and strength to the soul. So um, if you just... I got a with- question, Karen. Go ahead. So why do you hear not only our church, and I think we've, we've said it before too, they say 40 days of fasting, and, and then each day they have you, you know, fasting, I guess, like I said, with food most of the time. But I said, I don't understand why they call it 40 days of fasting, because like I said, I understand that God did the 40 days of fasting, but what, is, what do we mean when we say we're doing 40 days of fasting, because I'm one of those people, I'll give up like TV or something for, you know, for a couple of days. Or, you know, it's not always food because I know that I have to have water to take my medicine. But I just, I, don't, I never got a clear understanding. Why do we call it 40 days of fasting? Well, I thought in most of those instances, at least what we did at Top uh, Tabernacle of Praise Church, um, is that we, we combined it with, um, other things like um, certain things we were praying for that day and we only did like maybe in a week we might have done one no more than two days of actual fasting off of food and we okay, might okay okay like you know we might fast until dinner time and then have dinner but but throughout that day we were praying for some specific things you know because okay um, when we, the Bible is clear also that when the people are unified, there's nothing they can't accomplish. So, um, I just is- think I remember the conference saying one time 40 days of fasting, and I didn't, you know, click in every day to find out what we were supposed to do, other than mm-hmm. I just kind of did an individual, you know, like this is the time I'm gonna stop and do this and, you know, and, and pray, et cetera, et cetera. But, I just never knew why we called it always 40 days of fasting. Yeah. So, so on the prayer calendar, we've done it a couple of times on the prayer calendar that we had in the past, you know, one day it might be fast off your favorite food. Another day it might be fast off of all sweets. Another day it might be fast off of television. So it was just different things and it wasn't always just food and it wasn't, it wasn't consistently, okay, you're fasting all day off of food. It might've been, okay, you're fasting half a day off of food, you know, and then come on the prayer line and we'll pray together. Um, Thank you. Mm -hmm. I always thought too that praying from food was so that you can have a more clarity in hearing God's voice. Um, I think that I've read that in Sister White is so that you can have more clarity. I would have to look that up and I'll do my best to find it. But no, I you're absolutely, you, I, I, I think you're right, Lakita. Right. I, I think I read that in Sister White's one time too. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And here's the thing, especially from teaching councils on diets and foods, is that there's a lot of stuff that clogs up our bodies and clogs up, makes oh, our yes. fog over and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, absolutely, definitely, if we were to do, you know, fasting one day a week or tw- two days a week or whatever, just so we could hear God's voice more clearly, that would not be a bad thing. You know, um, for years, uh, I, I didn't eat sweets on Friday night or Sabbath because I knew that that would clog up my brain. And I wanted to be able to appreciate the Sabbath and appreciate the message on Sabbath and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to I do the fast. I think I'm going to do my best to be mindful about, you know, like the fast that the Bible says. I, I been wanting to do that fast, like do something kind for people, or mm. you know, maybe y'all choose one of those things and be intentional about doing that, maybe on a daily basis if possible. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Great idea. Okay. Um. Let's see. Um. And then down in the next paragraph, she's talking about um the will. And she's saying that um, that people who are sick and basically can't do much of anything, she said, um, instead of occupy them, occupying their minds with simple play, which in their own you know, point of view makes them feel that they're useless, she says, keep, keep the power of the will awake for the will is aroused and rightly directed. The will aroused and rightly directed is a potent soother of the nerves. And so basically, if we give our wills over to Christ, um, you know, he'll keep us in perfect peace. And, 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 and he, will, he will show us the road to recovery. He will now, whether we want to do it or not is another thing. Uh, Andre has a friend whose wife has, I think, I think stage four breast cancer. And so I had sent over uh, a protocol that, Dr. Watson had sent me, the doctor that had come to Northside a couple of times, speaking on various illnesses. And um, so I sent that over to her. And and Dr. Watson had had said, you know, many people had that stuck to that protocol, even with stage four cancers, uh, lived and 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 reversed the cancers. And so and I trusted what he was saying, and that's why I sent it over to her. But I think she just discarded it because, you know, we want to do what we want to do. We want to eat what we want to eat. We want to go where we want to go. We just, you know, we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And even when we get sick, sometimes we just, we're not willing to change. We're just not I think, willing. I think by the time a person get really, really sick like that, it's not is they can't change you have to really immerse them that's why she's talking about health institutions you mm. have to immerse them in a new environment you have to take them out of that environment because everywhere around them let's say if they were smoking cigarettes the smoke is in the ceiling it's in the it's in the you know curtains it's in it's almost impossible to fight that to fight the battle to stop smoking so that your body can get well so it's you know and then 
they ain't thinking right. I mean, it takes a lot. Their the brains are just, you know, think about like cancer. There's like, to me, your body is full of toxins, a lot of information going on in your system. And that toxins is recirculating, you know, blood that's not, not being infused with fresh air and sunshine, you know. So you just, you know, it's like a cesspool and it's dragging you further and further and further down till there is no energy to try nothing new that's just it's just not there so you can give it to people but it's just it's hard you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and- Latina, let me say this it's almost like the whole family if you all are going to change your diet uh-huh. if the wife is the one sick the wife the husband has to change his diet and yeah, vice versa yeah, so yeah because you can't bring that food in there and the husband's still eating the same way that they ate before, and then we tell her, "Here's your plate. You only get this, but you get all of this." She's like, "Well, I want what y'all want." Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I hear you. And it's you, can, and you know, Karen. I questioned my sister the last time I got to see her uh, before after a couple of years, and she had passed away with uh, with cancer. I was, you know, talking to her about smoking, and she's like, "It is an addiction," and she said, "I wouldn't, you know, uh, put this on my worst enemy." But it was like, even after, you know, they put her on that lung machine, she was saying that taste for cigarettes would still be there. And mm-hmm. I said, and I think in terms of, you know, how they say people that, you know, are addicted once they go to rehab and stuff, like you said, they can't go back in that same environment. But I know there's people that, have, you know, say, I stopped drinking five and six years ago, but I can still taste it. And I said, I guess I will never understand that part because I've never smoked and I've never drank. But I said, I can see that as far as Pepsi's. I mean, in high school, you couldn't get me off of Pepsi. I mean, I would hide them so my mama wouldn't find them. And at that time, they had those big old uh, 16-ounce pop bottles, the glass that once you, you know, finish them, you cash them in and get money. And I thought, I understand the addiction to the soda, but like I said, you know, with nicotine and stuff, and you've got all these patches that people try to get rid of that stuff. And yet, we're in our society, we still give them billboards and commercials and stuff and in magazines about cigarettes. And then they have this little print that the Surgeon General says. And I said, but I just think in terms of it's an addiction and they need more help than just saying for people to say, you just need to quit cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, really, all of it is an addiction. You know, we are all, we got some type of addictions going on, um, whether it's to TV or the sedentary lifestyle or, you know, gossiping. We are all struggling to stop something. And when, as soon as you stop one thing, a new thing emerges that was worse than the thing before <laughs> before you stopped the last thing and stuff. Well, that, that's, that, that's that whole biblical concept of when you get rid of a demon, if you don't fill that space mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit, seven worse demons come in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really, uh, we have to have a lot of mercy, um, a lot of mercy for people because it's not, I don't think it's easy at all mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. To change, you know, you it seems sounds so simple. Just eat fruits and vegetables. Vegetables taste good, fruit tastes good, but then you know it's like so hard. It's like <laughs> you know, I'm a you vegetarian know, and I probably can go all day without eating a vegetable for real. <laughs> What's interesting is that um, you know, I have a sweet tooth, mm-hmm. but 
I don't just eat sweets. Like if I buy like a bag of candy, mm-hmm. I might eat maybe three or four pizzas out of it. And then I don't have the taste for that anymore. So it just sits around until my, my son, he, 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 he says, well, you just buy all this stuff and it just go, goes to waste, but I, I don't have the taste for it anymore. You know, I might've had the taste for that particular thing at that time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's gone. But now, um, since I'm not really eating sweets like that, mm-hmm. when something comes into my head that I might want, I just change the channel of my thoughts, you know? Yeah. And um, it's fine because then my body says, oh, okay, well, we, we've moved on from that. Well, I'm going to try that too. That, you know, I may not, I just don't want to eat sugar, um, simple sugar mm-hmm. at all. I just want to take that out of my diet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. We're going to stop there for today. And uh, we'll pick up that um, paragraph when we come back. Paragraph 567.2. I think that's right. Is it? No, I'm sorry. 557.2. Uh, we'll pick that up uh, in the same chapter uh, when we return. Uh, and Lee, what are we studying next week? Okay. Hold on just a second. I'm marking mm-hmm. our point. <clears throat> okay. We're in the book, Christian Services. And we just finished the one, Women as Missionaries. So next week, we're going to be doing The Call to Young People, Chapter 2. The Call to Young People. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Um, Let's see. Patsy, would you pray us out? Mind praying us out? No problem. And bow your heads, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for giving us a breath of life and another day to lift your name. Lord, as you bring us together, let your will be done that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all understanding and that your knowledge, your wisdom, and your understanding will be placed in us as we go out and witness in your name. Lord, protect us and keep us. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us of our sins, our inequities, and our transgressions that we may be worthy enough to be able to lift your name up and to do your will. Let your will be done in each and every one of our lives as we reach out to each and every person we come in contact with. Lead us and guide us through your Holy Spirit, and we be careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All right, everyone uh, that is online, we will see you next week, same time.